Tonight's title is Fighting the Good Fight. Fighting the Good Fight. We understand we're in a spiritual battle. And tonight I want to encourage you by kind of looking at this, this whole concept of spiritual warfare and how you can prepare yourself, how you can engage in the fight. As you're going to find, you know, when a fight breaks out or if there's a battle, what I have discovered is several things. You know, you can't ignore it. Because when there's a war, when there's a fight, when there is violence and there is struggle, and whatever it is in your life, you know, the more we put it off, especially if it's an internal battle, if it's something happening in our family around us, you know, the more we kind of ignore it, the more we push it down the road, the more it tends to get worse and it begins to increase. And we see things happen that, uh, that if we would just nip it at the bud, if we would understand what it is that's taking place, perhaps we can fight the good fight and, and ward off, you know, some of the struggle that we might have encountered. So when we look at spiritual warfare, you know what's amazing is that a lot of the idea of warfare that we see in the natural coincides. You know, the art of war, the idea of, of learning to be, as Jesus said, you know, to be gentle as a dove and yet cunning and wise as a serpent. And there's so much to learn about wisdom and, and when it comes to our life and and looking at the spiritual dimension. And so we're learning, we're growing. And especially right now, I really feel that when we talk about taking new ground, we're taking ground in the spirit, we're talking, just to remind us, what we're talking about is taking souls for him. We're, we're talking about fighting a spiritual battle that involves human lives, families, souls, and nothing, of course, more important than our very own. And so, you know, to fight the good fight, obviously, you know, Paul talks about us being soldiers. He talks about us having weapons. He talks about us having strategy. He talks about all kinds of things that, that, that are very warlike. And so it's important that we look at it from that perspective so that we can, again, fight the good fight. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to read some verses here to kick us off tonight and, uh, and preparing us. It says, these things, or the Old Testament record, Paul is making reference to the Old Testament. The only scripture that they had, as of course the New Testament was being developed right there and right on the spot. But Paul is making reference to the Old Testament. He says, these things happened to them, the Old Testament characters, as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. 2,000 years ago, the early church was functioning as if, you know what, all revelation was done, what has been revealed is now, what, what was, was promised is all now brought into the light, and so we're really living in the age of completeness. When Jesus said, it is done, it is finished, it is now playing out in our lives, and yet we have the Old Testament as an example to help us. It's warnings. It's full of wisdom and understanding that, that if we were, and to not ignore it. So he goes on. So he says, so when you think about the battles and the struggles and the things that you're going through in this world, verse 12, he says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. He's saying, don't become arrogant or uh, ignoring what's going on around you. 
But understand that we have this incredible book of stories and warnings and, and spiritual battles all as examples for us to teach us. And he says, so don't be ignoring that. Don't ignore the battle. But get muscled up, get weaponed up, get what I'm going to share with you tonight. He goes on in verse 13. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Some of the fight, obviously, what is being hinted to us here is it's, the, the battle is going to be through sin and temptation to distract us. You know, talking about last week. That can draw us in, get us distracted, and get us out of the fight. And so he's saying, look, what we're experiencing now is what they experienced then. So there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same battle. So that makes a scripture relevant. It, it, what, what we can learn in the scripture is, is, are truths that we can apply to our lives now. So what you're battling, what you're experiencing, many Christians before you have battled and have been successful in their, in their war and have been able to move forward in their lives. So yes, it's, it's, it's different packaging. It's, it's coming digitally. It's coming in so many different ways, but it's the same basic sin. It's the same basic battle. He says, God is faithful. He's not going to let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So he's saying, look, he's going to provide a way. There are things that we can learn in order to be successful in this world, that we can fight the good fight in order to succeed. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, folks, there are three things, three, uh, three things I want to share with you tonight in learning how to fight the good fight. And there's so many more, and we're going to continue on through this series. But tonight, I think it's so important that we understand that, first of all, we need to be awake. We need to awaken. And then secondly, we need to learn how to resist. And then thirdly, to fight and know how to fight. So let's begin with this concept of being awakened. What we're really talking about here, folks, is understanding what is really taking place. Now, I have spent over the last year a lot of time in trying to reveal, to expose, to talk about spiritual warfare and talk about and, tr and trying to make it relevant to our culture without being too obtuse and, and, and out there or, 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 or pressing it too far, you know, to make any conclusions that, that might be just mine personally. But you know what's going on in the world. You know the battle. You know the stress. You know the fears. You know what's going on. You, you read the news, and, and perhaps you shouldn't be reading that, but you know what I'm saying. You know what's going on in the world, and a lot of confusion out there. And when you think about confusion, what usually comes along with warfare is that very thing, is what we call the fog of war. And when there's a lot of shots being fired, and there's a lot of distraction, a lot of deception, all these things taking place at the same time, it raises the level of confusion and often can cause even good soldiers to lose their way and lose their sense of what it is they're called to do. So what tonight I want to begin with is awareness. We've got to begin, we, we cannot, as I began tonight, we cannot ignore the fact that it is a spiritual fight. Okay? And there's things that, that, that I want to talk about here as far as us taking the right stance. But I want to begin with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 19, because Paul is praying for Christians. 
Paul knows what's going on in the world. He knows what's, and of course, he's, he's in it. He's, 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 uh, he's being imprisoned. He's fighting off the, the Jews who are trying to imprison, put him to death. He knows persecution. He knows what it's like to run for his life. He knows all of it. And so he, and so he turns to the church in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and he's going to, to pray something. He's going to give us a, what he's been praying for the church, praying for the Christians there in Ephesus. And it's a unique prayer, and I want to take just a moment to look at it. He says, I've been remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He said, I'm, I'm asking God to give you wisdom to know how to live in this world. I'm asking God to open your eyes so that you have revelation. What is revelation? That is God awakening us. That is God helping us see things as they really are. That the natural scales will fall from our eyes and we'll be able to really see. And so Paul is saying, look, this is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would be awake, that you'd know what's going on in the world, that, that, that you'd, you'd have the smelling salts of the Spirit so that you're, you're like, oh, okay, I, I see and it's so easy for us as human beings in this world, to, our senses to be dulled. And Paul knew this, obviously, because he had been working with them. And, and he was getting reports about the Christians and those he had led to Christ and those he, pastors that he had set into place. And so he said, I'm praying that you, you keep growing in your understanding. So your wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. Because Paul knew that was the key to everything, is fellowship with God himself. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So being aware of what? Well, last week we talked about the victory, didn't we? Aware of that we're on the winning side. Aware of who you are in Christ. Aware of all that has been purchased for you. And so walking in that confidence, of course, he says that you might know the hope to which he has called you. I love this. He's saying, look, you've been called to victory. You have been called to a hope-filled life. And he goes on, the riches. And what is that hope? What are you hoping for? The riches of his glorious inheritance. What Jesus died on the cross for you and I to have. Which, of course, is heaven, but much, much, much more than that, here, even in this world. Why would Paul need to be praying for revelation, wisdom, and hope in this world? I mean, I'm sorry, in the next world. You know, he doesn't need to pray that because he knows we're going to get it all. No, he's praying for us to get it here. That's what he's in passion. He said, I'm praying that you get this. Praying that you understand who you are. I'm praying that you would be aware of the situation that you find yourself in. And then, verse 9, and it's an incomparably great power for us who believe. So power. You know, in this world, folks, we, we feel powerless. That is something that I see a lot of. I've experienced it myself. It is a spirit that can come over you. It is the spirit of this age. It is the spirit of the hour to make Christians feel that they are powerless, to make us feel that God, maybe God has abandoned us. Or to feel like that God just doesn't see and doesn't know. And, and so here's Paul is crying out and saying, God, I just pray that your church would be awakened, that they would see that, that in, their, in the natural you can't see it. But that your spirit would be awakened, that the eyes of your heart. What is he talking about there? He's not talking about these physical eyes. 
He's talking about the eyes of our heart, that an awareness that, of course, is knowledge, that we know who we are, and we walk with that kind of confidence. Now, folks, if you don't know who you are, and you don't know what you have, and you don't know what you can do, then on the battlefield, I'm going to tell you right now, you're fodder. That's what you are. You know, in a silly way. I remember the football coach, you know, he would pull us aside and he said, look, when you get on the field, just hit something. Because if you don't hit something, it's going to hit you. And so true. So many people got hurt. They get hurt in sports because they don't know what they're doing. They get hurt in life because they don't know what they're doing. You get hurt, you, you, you become a casualty in battle if you don't know what you're doing. You don't know who you are. You don't know the weapons. You don't know how to use your weapons. You don't know how to fight. You don't, you're not aware. You don't know where to hide. You don't know how to, to you know, fight when everybody else is fighting. And so we'll be fodder. And I, and I see this a lot. I see Christians being taken captive. Now, not physically taken captive, unless, of course, you live in a nation where they are physically taking Christians captive. We're taken captive in our minds. And therefore, we lose our sense and of effectiveness. Fear, of course, we know. We've talked a lot about fear, but fear paralyzes. See, fear on the battlefield, in the spirit, is one of the first emotions that a person who is unaware will have. Without question, hands down. Fear. And, you know, people don't like to talk about fear. People don't like to admit to having fear. In fact, as adults, we, 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 we step away from it. We, we don't align ourselves with it. Children show fear very easily, don't they? They'll even tell us, I'm afraid. You see it in their eyes. But as adults, we, we do a very good job of hiding fear. And, and yet it is the very thing that is controlling us. When we're not aware of who we are, we're not walking the way that God has called us to walk. It paralyzes, it darkens, it confuses, and tears at the fabric of the unit. Because, you know, in warfare, when there's a, when, when there's, and that's why the, the units have to train the way they train. It's because they train them to think not about themselves, but of the unit. They think of their brothers, they think of their sisters in battle, they, they, they think of the unit, and they're thinking more of protecting their brother than they do of themselves. And that's the way it works. But when it becomes selfish and it becomes, and everything turns on the inside and fear is released, then it's panic. It's chaos. So Paul talks about these spiritual eyes. And what is he really talking about? What are the spiritual eyes? Well, he's talking about faith is what he's really talking about here. Because you can know and still not believe, isn't that right? There are a lot of people that know the Bible. They know a lot of Bible. In fact, you know, you've probably run into somebody who knows the Bible maybe even better than you, but they don't believe any of it. And the Bible even tells us that Satan knows the word, but he's in rebellion toward God. He quoted scripture to Jesus. And yet we're talking about faith, and, and what we know is that we believe in. And we believe it even if we can't see it. So as an example, if I said, you know, out in the parking lot, right now there's this big old gnarly red truck. This big old thing. Red truck sitting out there. Now you walked in here tonight, perhaps you're going through the parking lot, and you might be just thinking there, mm, I don't remember seeing it. I don't think I remember seeing it. But when I talk about there being a red truck out there, the moment I say it, you can visualize it, can't you? You see it. I don't know what you think it is. It's a Ford or Ram or Chevy or whatever. But it's sitting out there, and you can see it. 
But why would you do that other than the fact that you just believe what I said? I've implanted the thought in your mind, and you're going to trust me if I say it. And you say, well, I didn't see it. Well, trust me. That red truck's out there. Now, some of you may jump up and just say, I can't believe until I see it. And you run out there, and, and, and you look, and you're going to, whatever, whether the red truck's there or not. But what faith is, you would take me at my word and just say, okay, I can see it. It's out there. That is a very simple way of describing what really faith is. When God says that there are spirits that control the hearts and minds of men, when God says that there, we're living in a world that is, that is literally surging back and forth in spiritual warfare, when God says in his word that men and women's minds are at stake to this spiritual battle, it's the red truck in the road, and you either believe it or you don't. And if you don't believe it, then my friends... You're going to be in a situation where, again, you're just ignoring a reality. You're ignoring something that God has told us, and you either trust God or you don't. And that's what we're talking about here. That's why Paul, why is Paul so impassioned to pray for Christians for them to see? It's because they're not seeing, that's why. Why is he impassioned? Because he's gotten word that some of the Ephesians don't know who they are. They're living in the world. They're living in the, the, the culture is affecting them. And they're not realizing that, they, that they, when they walk in this world, there are many things happening in this world. There are many different, you know, there's a spiritual battle that's going on. And, and, and they need to be aware of it. And to be aware of it is just the first step toward really understanding how to be a good warrior, how to fight the good fight. You've got to know it's there, first of all. So folks, we ignore the spiritual fight to our own detriment and maybe even to our own destruction. Secondly tonight, we need to learn how to resist. Okay? Now I've thrown this in here because we've talked about resistance. We've talked about the power of resistance in the Spirit. And I'll explain what that is. It's right here in James chapter 4. And it says this, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And he says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now you notice, the moment he talks about God, he throws in, in, he throws in Satan too. Why would he do that? Why not just say, submit to God and be done with it? James mentions the devil in the same sentence because he knows that is what is happening. I'm getting ready to say something that's going to shock you, maybe even make you mad. You may throw whatever it is you got in your hand at me, but please don't. But if you ignore the reality, if you ignore the reality of what I'm sharing with you tonight, then the devil's going to eat your lunch. He's just going to do it. And that's why Paul, I'm sorry, James here says, you've got to resist him. But here's the best part. Look what he says. He says, resist the devil. He said, now submit to God, but also resist the devil. And he goes on and he says, and he will flee from you. Woo, that's good. Because I don't have to even fight him, do I? No, you don't have to fight the enemy. You do not have to fight him. All you have to do is resist him. 
Now, we're talking about fighting the good fight. Now, I'm, what I'm talking about is as far as fighting Satan himself. No, you don't have to do that. But there are, fight, there are battles we've got to fight. And most of them are internal. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But all he's saying is, look, the first level of warfare here is simple. You just need to be aware of what's going on and resist every attempt of the enemy to try to deceive you. And the moment you're aware, it's like you're sitting in your home going, you just got a phone call, hey, somebody's going through all the neighborhood and they're robbing homes. Well, what are you going to do? Say, well, I don't believe it. I'm going to bed. You wake up the next morning, all your furniture's gone. Or would you sit there and say, well, I'm going to turn the lights on. I'm going to be aware of what's going on. Maybe even set up the camera, get it rolling. No, you're going to do what it takes in order to be prepared and aware of what the, you're going to resist it. And that's exactly what James is saying here. Resist him, and he will flee from you. He's exposed by the light. See, why, why is it that we have that kind of power to only resist? Because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And you are also aware of what Paul said, the power that you have been given. That's why Paul is saying, I just wish the church would wake up and realize who they are. I just wish they would understand the power that has been given to them because of what Jesus did on the cross for them. I wish they would understand that all they have to do is resist him and he'll flee. That is amazing. Then why is he eating so many people's lunches? Why is the enemy deceiving so many? Because he's crafty. And he's, he's, he's the father of lies. And he uses deception, and he uses all kinds of things in order to, well, it's the, it's the three temptations. The temptation for physical pleasure, the temptation for significance and, and pride of this life, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what he uses. The moment we resist him, the moment we expose it, he runs for cover. And he tells us how we do that. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So where is our cover? Well, it's in him, of course. He says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the enemy and come to the cover. Come to the, to, to, to the, the, uh, the safety and the grace and the power right there with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the fog of war definitely produces confusion and even friendly fire. So in other words, when we don't know what's really going on, we're not aware and we're not resisting the enemy, well, we know something's going on and we just start shooting. And a lot of Christians do this. And as a result, they start shooting the wrong people. They start sh shooting their fellow brother or sister in the Lord. And they just start shooting because somebody told you, fire in that direction, do that, do this. And they use all kinds of deceptive things that we see in our culture today, whether it be division, whether it be the deception of, of hatred and, and, and all the wokeism and all the different things that we, get, we have going on in our culture right now, all by design to get us to turn on one another, to create chaos, to bring up hate, and the Satan just sits back and laughs. And yet we hear Paul saying, God, wake them up. Help them to resist this. So to just even say, no, I'm not giving into that hatred. No, I'm not giving in. No, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not falling in with those who are doing that. Just not doing it. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what ground are you defending? Are you sure it is where you should be? Is it steeped in rebellion and attitude? That must give you, of course, the first clue, isn't it? In James 3.17, it says this, Wisdom 
that is from heaven is first of all pure. It's peace loving. It is considerate. It is submissive. It's full of mercy. It's impartial. And it's sincere. What are we resisting? Well, we're resisting the enemy, but let's don't hyper-spiritualize this because that's what I think. Well, I'm resisting the devil, and yet I hate my brother. Or I, I hate uh, my fellow human being. No, 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 no. That's, no, what are we resisting? We're resisting immorality. We are and an, uh, wickedness. We are resisting hate, uh, speech, and we're resisting violence. We're resisting those who are inconsiderate. We are resisting those who are in rebellion toward God and toward authority of any kind. We are resisting those who are unmerciful. We are resisting those who are partial, those who are political, and those who will use wicked to defeat wickedness. We talked about that last week. We're resisting that because we know it's wrong. We know it's not what God would do. And of course, sincerity. So much sarcasm out there, isn't there? So much, you know, back talk and lip and, you know, people just, you know, tearing each other down with their, with their, their speech. So we're in a battle, and, and we've got to be aware of that battle, and we've got to resist these things. So when, when I talk about just resisting the devil and he'll f- flee, I just think it's important that we understand that we're not just resisting the devil, we're resisting all that he does, we, all that he, he pours through, even through sometimes through people, that we will not give into a movement, that we will not give into what seems to be this, this thing. You know, I, I already talked about this recently, that if you find yourself with a mob, if you find yourself with a large percentage of people in a community that are burning and pillaging and tearing down, you're probably fighting the wrong fight. Probably on the wrong team. You've got to ask yourselves your, that question. Am I, am I being peace-loving? Am I being loving? Am I being impartial? Am I insincere? Am I, would I imagine Jesus standing right next to me doing the same thing? Folks, it's, it's time for courage. To have courage under fire. And I find in the church, recently I was thinking of this and praying, and the Lord just spoke to me. He goes, Dave, there are three categories of people in the church today. He said, there are the helpless there are followers, and there are leaders. And so don't get discouraged by the, the helpless part. But it, what, what it is, as people come into the church, as people are getting saved, that's the first level of their experience, is they feel helpless, and they're, and they're coming, and they want to learn, and they want to grow. And so the point is, you're, you're always going to have the helpless among you, and we shouldn't disdain them. We should, not, we should not tear them down. We should not despise the helpless. You're always going to have that. But the helpless should not be satisfied with being helpless. The helpless should want to then become a follower. And the church is primarily going to be a group of followers. And who we follow? Well, we're following Jesus Christ. We're following the Lord. We're following the Holy Spirit and his designated leaders. The fivefold ministry that he provides, Ephesians chapter 2. And then we have the leaders. 
We're not just talking about pastors. We're talking to elders, deacons, small group leaders. We're talking to anybody who rises up and says, I'm going to take lead. And this is my point. If you really want to learn how to resist and be a true spiritual warrior, if you find yourself being helpless, then take the next step and become a follower. And if you're a follower here today and you've been a good follower, don't just be satisfied there. It's time for you to become a leader. We should always be discipling to a greater and the next level of what it is that he has for us. As long as you're breathing in and out. As long as you're breathing in and out. And that's going to help you tremendously. And then the church, of course, is going to grow and it's going to mature and it's going to become what Paul was praying for. That we're aware that we're going to resist what we know are the wiles of the devil, his lies, his temptations that are common to man. Is a heart to bring vengeance common to man? Oh, yeah. (laughs) How about greed and selfishness and a murdering spirit? Yeah, it's the first sin after the the fruit and the, the rebellion. It's the first thing. Right? Cain murdered his brother. Let me finish with this when it comes to resistance. Do you know what your enemy thinks of you? This is pretty important. What your enemy thinks of you is that you're just an animal. That you're just an animal. That's what Satan wants to do. And if you see any of that happen in our culture today, man, Satan's not very far behind it. I remember years ago, the kids were listening to this old song that came from the 50s. It was an old Disney song. And it went like this. You are a human animal. You ever heard that song before? You are a very special breed. You remember that? I remember listening to it going, I just went, click. We will never listen to that song again. Because you're not a human animal. You are a creation of God. You have been made in the image of God. The animals were not made in the image of God. You're not an animal. And yet your, an, your enemy wants you to make you think you are, stripping you of the glory that you are, stripping you of what he did for you and what he wants to do in you and through you, the glory that is our human existence. And it's not just the enemy who wants to make you feel that way by pushing you in and out and treating you like cattle and not thinking one thing about your human existence. And I could say a whole lot more about that tonight, but I don't have time. But I think some of you know what I'm talking about. And there are human beings, maybe they're the ones who are the animals, really, that are treating us that way. And if they are, you can be certain that Satan is not far behind it. In fact, I believe he's right in the middle of it. By not standing up against the wicked spiritual forces of this world, you're going to prove them right because that's exactly how they're going to treat you. And so, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to foment violence here. I'm not trying to I- encourage that at all. So I'll finish with my last point here, and that is to fight. Because sometimes you've got to fight. And, and, and sometimes resistance, you know, you may seem like it's not enough, but it's, it's the good fight. Paul said that, look, I am fighting the good fight. He's thinking of his life, and he says, I'm fighting this good fight. What is he really talking about there? Well, I'm calling it the earth-shattering, boulder-cracking, heart-changing power 
of faith, hope, and love. Those are your weapons. But you've got to learn how to point and where to point those directions and where in what direction you need to. We talk about the friendly fire. You've got to learn where to point those things. That's the first thing you learn, <laughs> right, Jamie? You know, the sergeant comes along and says, whoa, point it in downrange, bro. You know? And yet, sometimes as Christians, we, we get confused about that, and we're just thinking, well, that's my enemy. It's not your enemy. If, if Paul said, I'm no, not Paul, but John said, look, you can't help, you can't hate your fellow believer and call yourself a Christian. You just can't do it. And if you're stepped into that, or you're being led by that, then you are, have been already taken captive, and the enemy's using you. But you don't have to let that happen. You don't. So how do we fight? 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, so they're not guns, they're not swords, they're not knives, they're not clubs, they're not stones, they're not fire. Okay? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now there's a fight for you. So the kind of fight we're talking about even precludes weapons as a whole. What you're talking about is fighting the fight that causes a person to want to kill in the first place. What you're talking about here is it is definitely a master's level maturity step as far as Christians are concerned. Because the moment that I'm reading these words, I know I'm looking around this room, and, and some of you are thinking, I don't know, Pastor David. I don't know. But here's Paul talking to us. He says, our weapons are not of this world. Now, what, what, what is he talking about here with demolishing? Because I love that word. Don't you demolish? I mean, that's just me. I love demolish. He says, on the contrary, the, the weapons we have can demolish strongholds. And what are strongholds? Well, he tells us. He says they're arguments and pretensions. In other words, arrogant thought that there is no God. Arrogant thought that you can go out and mistreat other human beings and there not be a consequence. Pretentious thinking that, it, that, that whatever you do in this world, you're going to get away with it. And arguments that, that even we as, as, as young people, as Christians, can even have inside us that we're battling. The war, where's the war really taking place, folks? On the inside of the human heart and in the mind. That's what Paul's talking about. Now what's amazing is that we have authority over that. Not only do we have an authority inside ourselves so that we don't become a part of the problem, but then we can start aiming in the right direction and we can begin to do this thing that we call prayer. And we begin to say, look, I am not asking God to open up the earth and destroy that other human being. I'm not asking God to make the fleas of a thousand camels camp in their armpits. I'm not asking that all the different things that happen in this world, that they would destroy. I mean, I've read recently where somebody put into devotional that, they, that, that they're asking God to help them hate another person. God's not going to listen to that prayer. It's ridiculous. Read First John. It's, I'm sorry. Satan is just going over there. Well, I won't be, uh, I, you know, that, that's my prayer. 
prayer. Mm -mm. We take captive those thoughts. And then when we have mastered them ourselves, then we start praying, God, I pray that you would take captive their thoughts. I pray right now that you would bind that murderous thought that you would right now, that you would cause them to come to the end of themselves, that right now, that you would heap up those coals of fire, that you would cause them to see the consequence of their thinking, the consequence of their actions, quickly in Jesus' name. See, when the church starts to really pray the way we're supposed to pray and just say, Lord, please let me get out of here. Lord, please let me hate my neighbor the way I ought to. Lord, please help me to do this, that, and the other. God is not listening to those prayers. It's ridiculous. What he wants you to do is to be a part of the solution. He wants you to use your love as the weapon, faith as the weapon, and an understanding of the purity and the power that it is to be a believer and a child of God. That's it. And you may just say, well, it's because the only reason why I think that way, Pastor David, is because I'm trying to protect me and my family. Who really protects you and your family? Isn't it Jesus who said, don't worry about tomorrow? Do not worry about your life. I've got that. See, the moment we take matters into our hands and we're only thinking in those terms, and I'm not talking that we shouldn't have self-defense. I'm not talking about that at all. Because I, I believe in that. But it's not going to be my end all. Mm -mm. No, my self-defense begins with prayer. My self-defense begins with, Lord, Psalm 91. Lord, I ask you to come and surround my home with your favor and power. I ask you, God, to bind every spirit of weakness, wickedness and every lie and every curse that's spoken against me. Yeah, I do that. Sometimes I'll say, Lord, I don't know. There might be somebody right now that's saying something evil about Pastor David and his family. I just right now just bind that in the name of Jesus. Will not light. I turn it back in Jesus' name. We need to be praying that over some of our families here, especially you know, I'm going to say it, our officers. And we've got some in this room here tonight. You'd be praying that God would protect them instead of cursing them. To pray. And we need to ask God to fill our mouths with peace-loving, submissive, and, 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 and weapons that we're sending out. Now, it's obvious, isn't it? I mean, it's opposite of what you think the world was doing. But it's, it's love that absolutely changes the heart. It is the love of God that comes crashing down on a person's life and causes them to turn from a, a, a lifestyle of wickedness. Folks, I know, I know what you're thinking. Whew, that's sure tough stuff, Pastor David. Look, you let God do it. The whole point is, you, when you recognize that Jesus already won the battle, when you understand that, that by praying, he said, look, as you begin to direct my resources upon that situation, then I got this. That all you literally have to do is say, Father, I just ask you to bless him. I ask you to tear down. I ask you to bind that spirit that's controlling that and just step back and watch it happen. That's true spiritual warfare now. Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, what do they do in every situation? Pray and petition God. Lord, I mean, look, I'm going to tell you this. I often do this in my prayer time, a lot more since I've gotten old. I'm serious. Sometimes, I mean, I've, I'm, God's probably just going, man, he's getting a little bold, that rascal David. But I'll do that. I'll just say, Lord, 
I'm not moving until you tell me. You give me a word. Wasn't I telling you that the other day, Jamie? And God answered me. I said, Lord, I'm not moving until you tell me why. I'm not moving and, I mean, crying out for my mom, crying out for my children, crying out for you. There are different things that I hear. I'll just say, mm -mm, not happening. I'm not going to let it happen. No, in Jesus' name, I bind that thing. I bind every lie. I bind every attempt of the enemy to do this. Not going to do it. Folks, that is audacious. And that's exactly the way we need to be. It's exactly the way we need to be. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, in other words, you believe that God's going to do it, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Man, that is good right there. We need a whole lot more of transcending understanding, don't we? What does that mean? It means I have no idea how God's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. I, I, I can't even begin to understand, you know, all the weird crappy, demonic, satanic, Luciferian stuff that's going on in this world today, but you got it, Lord. You got it. And I just pray you'd expose it all in Jesus' name and let, let the enemy turn on themselves and destroy themselves, which you often have. That's exactly how it works, by the way. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on. Isn't that what you need here tonight, folks? That you have the Holy Spirit taking guard over your mind and your heart. That you don't have to be anxious what's going on in the world. That you can go about your business, loving your children, thinking about that, hey, my future and my times are in his hands. I don't have to worry about another thing. I just trust him and walk in, in his amazing grace. I hope that's what you want. It's what Paul was praying that we would receive and understand and have that confidence and boldness. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, to pray in the Spirit. He said, pray all kinds of prayers. But praying in the Spirit, what does that mean? That means praying with an awareness of what's going on in conjunction as, as, a, a, as a team member. See, the Holy Spirit's been given to you to be a witness, right? The Holy Spirit's there to help you, direct you, direct your prayers. So you just connect with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I pray right now as I pray that you would target my prayer. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Help me to pray. And, I, and sometimes you don't even know what to pray. Maybe just pray in the Spirit and let the Spirit do what your heart is yelling out for. You don't even know how to put it into words, do you? Sometimes you look at your child and you're going, I have no words, <laughs> right? You have no words, but you just say, Lord, you know what needs to be done. Holy Spirit, do it. You know, sometimes I'll pray for that. You know, somebody will come up and they want prayer for uh, physical healing. And so I just say, Lord, just do everything they need. They look at me and I'm just like, yeah, why not? I don't know what you got going on in there. Lord, just heal them. Top of their head, bottom of their feet. Okay, let me wrap it up. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Be alert. Pray in faith. Pray by the Holy Spirit leading. Pray with discernment. Pray with confidence that you are affecting the circumstances and the outcome. No begging. I wrote that in my note. Don't notes. Don't beg. Jesus told us, don't do that. He says, your heavenly Father is ready to move on your behalf. You have every reason to be confident and boldly come before his throne of grace to receive help in your time of need. And how much more so for somebody else that you're crying out for. Man, no begging. Don't beg. Pray and be bold. Love is the real why 
behind all the what. I, I want to finish with this. When we talk about what's going on in this world today, folks, yeah, there's a lot of sin and there's some rebellion out there. And God's going to point it out. God's going God's to bring it to the surface in your life and other people. All that's happening in this world, it's going to come out. Why would God do that? Because he loves us. He knows what sin and rebellion do to us. And he wants it exposed so that he can heal it, so that the truth will set us free. That's why. What, what is the what behind the, or the why behind the what? Because he loves us dearly. And then why would God let there be judgment and discipline that comes into our life and into this world? Perhaps part of what we're going on in our nation is today is because God is shaking us. What's been amazing is that I think the church has awakened or it is continuing to awaken. I'm not sure we're there yet. Not sure we're there yet. Where God is going to let enough shaking, shaking to take place to finally awaken, awaken us up to say, this is real. And to get enough warriors on the line really praying. Can you imagine all the Christians in this nation, if we would all determine to pray and really pray and bind the spirits that are controlling what is going on in our nation today, what would happen? There are way too many warriors who don't know who they are that are not putting up a resistance and do not know how to fight. Well, next week, we're going to go a little deeper on that. How to fight in the spirit. How to pray. Jesus, the disciples asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, we'll talk about that. So tonight, let's finish. Folks, there's a lot of it at, at, at stake here. And you can ignore it and be, you know, fodder. You know, during the Civil War, during the Battle of Gettysburg, what was interesting was there were a lot of people there that did not take the battle seriously. They stayed in their homes. They decided to just stick it out. And they became casualties. Their homes were exploded. Their children were uh, suffered. Wives were shot down. Because they ignored the fact that it was a battle. After three days, and thousands of men dead out on, their, on the field, and absolute carnage, the people in the city came out of their homes completely stunned. And some of the things they said was, we didn't know what real war was until it was on our steps. So folks, it's time to realize it's on your step. It's time to fight. Really fight. Let's stand up this evening. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, I know and can feel Paul's passion in that prayer. And that's why he put it down in the letter and why he said, this is what I pray. That you'll get it. That you'll know that we will know who we are in Christ. And what was purchased for us on the cross. Lord, let us not forfeit the grace that could be ours. Lord, let us not forfeit the battle. Let us not forfeit the victories that we could have. Lord, I want to pray first of all 
and all who would join with me tonight. And I, and I want you to join me if this is your heart. Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, for us, Lord, getting lazy, putting our weapons down, Lord, getting caught up in the pleasures and distractions of this world. Lord, we know we've been given one life. And yes, you've given us families, you've given us opportunities, you've given us ways to enjoy this world. Lord, the common grace given to all men. But Lord, never at the expense, Lord, of the mission we've been given and who we are. Lord, forgive us. And I pray even with that repentance tonight, God, would you, first of all, forgive our sins. Forgive our sin of, of ignoring. But Lord, in its place, I pray, God, you give us a new boldness, a new, a new spiritual ferocity. Lord, an alertness that is uncanny. That, Lord, there would be a new level of discernment over your people over these people tonight. Lord, that you would wake us up in the night and we would pray. That Lord, as we are out there and we're, we're working or Lord, we're, we're at home or we're driving or whatever we're doing, Lord, we, we give you permission, God, to make us alerted soldiers for the kingdom on our post, ready to pray, ready to bind, ready to release, ready to speak blessing to tear down the arguments, to say, no, I refuse to believe that and I refuse to let that move forward. Spoken over my family, spoken over our city, spoken over our nation, I refuse it. Lord, I pray you'd, you'd give us a new fight, an alertness, an awareness. God, the ability to resist. God, give us a new sensitivity, God, to the deception of the devil. It's time. It's time. It's now. So Lord, we release our resistance and we ask you to open our hearts up now. Lord, fill us up. New boldness, new discernment, new passion. And Lord, let it flood into our marriages. Let it flood into the love of our children. Lord, we'd be able to discern what's going on in their lives. Lord, we'd be able to, 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 to have uh, that proactive ability. Lord, a spirit-led ability to say, no, 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 this is not good. I'm, I'm not doing it. They're not doing it. I'm not believing that. I'm not giving into that. Or I'm not going near there. What is the wisdom of God like? It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's good. Fill us up with the wisdom of God, the discernment of God, the love of God, the faith in the power of God. Those are our weapons tonight. Reload them. We polish them up tonight. And Lord, we have them at the ready to be used by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one whom, Lord, every name is, is, is completely comes under the power of the name of Jesus. Lord, let us be alerted to the new use of the name of Jesus, the exosia. Lord, let, let your name be on our lips, always advancing your kingdom against all darkness. 
Lord, I'm praying right now, God, that you are, you're going to do it tonight, God. There is a, an equipping. Lord, there is, over our church, I just sense this tonight. If we can take just another minute. The Lord, the Lord says he's, he's equipping you to fight a good fight. You've been drafted into the kingdom of God. You've been drafted into the army of God. And you're going to have everything you need in order to fight, to resist, to be alert. God is putting upon you tonight a refurbished, polished, armored up set of armor. You're, you're, the helmet of salvation is going to be, it's going to be, you're, you're going to be aware of it. It's going to be thick. It's, it, it's going to be, it's going to, nothing's going to get into your mind. God is putting a new breastplate of righteousness. You're going to be aware of the righteousness of God that you have in him. All that shame is going to be gone. You're not going to be, the enemy's not going to, to, to turn you, to twist you in the guilt and the, 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 the little petty sins and the struggles and the, the things that so easily hold you back. The, the Lord's coming in on a, like a flood tonight for you. You're going to see a resistance. It's going to amaze even you. There's going to be a new belt of truth. God said, I'm taking off your old belt, putting on a new belt. This one's thick. It's going to protect your, your, your innards. It's, going, it's, it's there. This is a new truth. Your, your heart is going to accept the truth. Your mind is going to receive the truth. God says, I'm going after the lies, and they're gone. I'm going after those lies. Every pretension. Tonight, as God's ambassador, I take captive every thought that's in your, your brain tonight and make it obedient to Christ on your behalf, for your glory, for your good. Lord, the shoes of the gospel. Lord, we're ready for that. New shoes, new boots, jump boots, ready to be jumped in, Lord, to be deployed, Lord, into all areas of our community, every area, every business, every place, in Jesus' name. Lord, the shield of faith. There's going to be a new faith in your life. Some of you don't even know what that faith is, and God's going to surprise you, going to shock you with it. All you have to do is hold it up. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit. Some of you have been reading the Bible. God says, read it more. He's going to put a claymore in your hand. It's double-edged. And you're going to wield it in ways that you never thought you could weigh it again or weigh it before. You're going to wield it. You're going to pray things and you're going to be shocked because you're going to see them happen. So I'm telling you tonight, warrior, be released in Jesus' name. Be the warrior you, you are. I'm not going to beg God to do it tonight. I know he's going to do it tonight. He's doing it over you. He's doing it in you and through you. One last thing. One last thing. I, I'm sorry. One last thing. Every one of you tonight, I want you to think of one person in your life that you want to them to experience the same. Right now. Get them in your mind. Could be your husband, your wife. You're, you're a, a child, someone in your family, whoever, whoever God puts on your heart right now, and just say, Lord, ditto in Jesus' name. Pour it out upon them. 
armor them up. Fill them with confidence and boldness. We just think of that one right now in Jesus' name. Lord, bring the helpless, Lord, into your kingdom. And Lord, take those who are followers, those who are mature and growing. Lord, make them leaders. Put them in the front of the line. Put them on the line for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer tonight, please come down here. Pastor Jamie's here. We'd love to pray for you and stand with you. Matter of fact, pray for Jamie. He needs, he needs some prayer tonight.